Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Nun Aleph, Daf 51 of Masech Shabbos. Let us do an overview before we begin. Um, there are like big juicy sugyas on this Daf, um, but yeah, you know, it's so it starts out talking about can you insulate cold? Well, first of all, we start out with the new Mishnah. And we're going to discuss insulating cold items, right? Let's say it's hot outside and you have some cold water and you don't want it to just be in the sun. Can you actually cover that up and like blankets and stuff and hopefully try to keep that cold? And what else? Yeah, more kind of like insulation kind of things. And one interesting thing that we talk about is ice, you know, using ice on Chavez because is it no lud? Right? Meaning you start out with some cold frozen ice and you end up with water. Did you create that water? Is it Nolad? Well, you'll have to find out in Babylon Talmud. Then we begin a new parak, which is pretty freaking awesome, right? We're going to start parak 5 of Masech to Shabbos, which means that we only have another 20 prakim to go. <laughs> um, which is called Bamet Behema Yotza. Um, what is like an animal allowed to carry on Shabbos? Um, because after all, it's your responsibility to make sure that your animal has a day of rest as well. So we'll talk about that stuff. Let's get started, friends. We're going to begin on Daf Nun Aleph Omid Aleph on the third line of the page at the new Mishnah. Okay, so as we learned already on Daf Nun Dalad Omid Aleph at... No, 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 no. We did not yet learn Daf Nun Dalad Omid Aleph. We're only up to... Daf Nun Aleph Amud Aleph. We learned on Daf Lamid Dalid Amud Aleph at the bottom that if you did not insulate before Shabbos, you may not insulate on Shabbos, even if it is Bidavar She'eno Mosif Hevel, with something that will not increase heat. And we said that that is because we're concerned that, um, you know, even if you're going to be insulating with something that isn't Mosif Hevel, if the dish is not hot enough, you might uh, put it back on the stove to get really hot before putting it into this insulation. So therefore, on Shabbos, you're not allowed to insulate, right? You would have to make sure to put it in the insulation before Shabbos. And we said, even if it's during Ben Hashemoshos, then it would actually be okay, um, but just not on Shabbos at night. So says the Mishnah, lo, lo, says the Mishnah, If you did not... Um, Insulate it. Interesting that it says actually mi ba'od yom, while it's still daytime, implying that maybe during benash mashos it would not be allowed, but I, I believe we said on Lamadal that during benash mashos it would be okay, since during benash mashos the assumption is that your pot is still very hot and will not require being boiled, so you would be allowed to, meaning there, there wouldn't really be a situation where you'd want to get it even hotter and end up cooking on Shabbos, so therefore you'd be allowed to put it into this insulation even during benash mashos. If you had insulated it properly before Shabbos, as you as you should have done, uh, and then somehow it became uncovered, you can replace the you know you can put back the um, insulation that fell off. You can fill up a uh, like pitcher with cold water, and you know if it's really hot out, you can cover it in different types of cushions in order to try and preserve the cold temperature of the water in the pitcher. Says the Gemara, Amr of Yehuda, Amr Shmuel, Rav Yehuda said the name of Shmuel, Mutur lehatmin es atzonein. It is permitted to insulate cold items. 
Okay, so let's say you even have a pot uh, and in that pot is some cold food and maybe it's hot outside, you would be allowed to put this pot of cold food in like blankets and things so that they will to try as much as possible to keep them cold. If that's what you want. Amr of Yosef, my Kamash Malon, Tanina. So if Yosef says, what is the, what, what's Rav Yehuda teaching me? We already know this from our Mishnah. What does it say in our Mishnah? Mimali Adam Kiton, Vinosin Tachasaker, Otachasakeses. A person can fill up a pitcher with cold water and put it under different types of cushions to insulate it. So we see that you can put cold items for insulation, meaning insulate cold items. So what is the Chiddush of Rav Yehuda when he says that you're allowed to insulate cold items? So Amalei Abaye Tuva Kamash Malan. Abaye says to his Rebbe Rav Yosef, actually Rav Yehuda is teaching us a whole lot. Di'imi Masnisen, because if we would only have our Mishnah, from our Mishnah, what does the Mishnah say? Our Mishnah says you're allowed to take a pitcher of cold water and put it under some pillows to insulate. So I might think that that only applies to things like a pitcher of cold water, right? You don't normally insulate pitchers of, of water, of cold water. You insulate pots full of food, right? You make a soup or you make, you know, some kind of cooked dish maybe meat, whatever it might be, and you want to keep that hot, so that you will insulate normally. You don't normally like insulate a, a bottle of water, okay? So therefore, I might think that the, what the mission is saying, you know, if you have something that you don't normally insulate and it's cold, so look, you can cover that up and it, it's no problem. You could insulate it to try to preserve its, its cold temperature. But I might think if we only had our Mishnah that what if I have a pot, of uh i don't know meat or whatever and it's the night it's shabbos day and i want to keep it out of the sun so maybe it won't go bad or whatever it is so right it's not hot but i want to sort of preserve it from the sun making it you know i don't know too hot whatever it might be so so i might think that in that case when it comes to something that if it were hot it would totally make sense to insulate it so i might think that even when it's cold i cannot insulate it and that is what Rabbi Yehuda is teaching me in the name of Shmuel that you would be allowed to insulate, um, you know, anything that's cold, you'd be allowed to wrap up and insulate on Shabbos. We wouldn't be concerned, um, you know, that, well, since it's something that you normally insulate when it's hot, you can't do it when it's cold. Not true. You can, uh, if it's cold, you can insulate it. And it's interesting here that we have four generations of Amoraim in this discussion, right? We have Rabbi Yehuda, who's quoting his teacher Shmuel. Um, you know, that you're allowed to insulate anything cold, to which Rav Yudah's student Rav Yosef asked, don't we already know that from our Mishnah, to which his student Abaye said, actually, we wouldn't know it from our Mishnah. So we have four generations over here. Let's go by to friends. Amar of Huna, Amar Rebbe. So now Rav Huna says, in the name of Rebbe, what does he say? You're not allowed to insulate cold stuff. Hmm, okay. But one second, we have a brisa, which actually comes at the very end of the parak that we're going to see today. That Rebbe says that it's permitted to insulate cold stuff. So how come Rafuna is quoting Rebbe as saying that it's not allowed? Yet we have a brisa which says that it is allowed. Lokasha, no problem. 
Hamikami Dishami Rabishma Brabyosi Halavasa Dishame. So when what Rafuna is quoting Rabbi as saying that it's forbidden to insulate cold stuff. So that was in fact Rabbi's opinion before he heard from Yishma from Rabbi Shmabrabyosi, which we're going to hear in a second. Once he heard from Rabbi Shmabrabyosi, then he changed his opinion to say that you are allowed to insulate cold stuff. And that is the this that and that's the distinction between the two brises, right? The one that Rav Huna is quoting Rebbe as saying that you're not allowed to insulate cold stuff, and yet the brisa that says that you are. Let's see what what are we talking about? Kiha diyasiv Rebbe ve'amar asr lahat minisatzonein. Because one time Rebbe was sitting, and I guess he was teaching, and he said, "Look, you're not allowed. It's forbidden to insulate cold items." Now Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi said to Rabbi, My father, Rabbi permitted to insulate cold items. Rabbi said, well, if that's the case, there you have it. An elder already told us, Rabbi told us that you would be allowed to insulate cold items. Well, there you have it. So you're allowed to insulate cold items. Because, um, of course, Rabbi was older than Rebbe. Now, we learned uh, recently that um, Rebbe's teacher was Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. And both Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai and Rebbe uh, and Rabbi were students of Rabbi Akiva. So, it, so I guess Rabbi was one generation prior to Rebbe. And I guess Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi was, I guess, the same generation as Rabbi, which would explain why they were sitting together. Okay, fine. Amr of Papa said, Rav Papa, Come and see how much the rabbis um, love each other and respect each other. She'ilu Rabbi Yossi Kayim, even if Rabbi Yossi were to have been alive, Hayakof of Yoshev Lifnei Rabbi, he would be bent over and sitting before Rebbe. Because his son, Rebbe Yishma Rebbe was Mimale Makom Avosav. He filled the place of his father. And as Rashi says, Gadol Ka'aviv, right? Mimale Makom Avosav says Rashi, Gadol Ka'aviv, he was as, equally as great as his father, Rebbe And Vichafuf Vyoshiv Vifne Rebbe. And we see that Rebbe Yishma Rebbe nonetheless, you know, bowed himself over and sat before Rebbe. So we can only assume that Rabbi Yossi would have done the same. And yet, and yet Rebbe said, look, if Rabbi Yossi already said that it's mutter to insulate tzonin, well then, it's mutter to insulate tzonin. And Rashi points out when it says, it says, that when it says that Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yossi would be bent over and sitting before Rabbi, it's not because Rabbi was greater than them. Rashi seems to imply that actually they were they were probably greater than Rabbi in terms of their Torah knowledge. However, um, Rabbi was the Nasi. He was sort of the, the, the leader of the generation. And therefore, out of respect for Rabbi and his stature, they would sort of just sit and be bent over um, and, and um, I don't know, uh, 
don't know what the word is, but uh, whatever, they, they would make themselves humble before Rebbe. And nonetheless, Rebbe showed kind of equal respect, that even though he was a very fancy person and politically speaking and wealthy and had all sorts of connections, the Gemara Nevoda Zara talks about, it discusses, it describes his relationship with, uh, I believe it was Antoninus. Yeah, it was Antoninus, this great, I guess, Roman, like, ruler who was kind of nuts. Um, so, and nonetheless, Rebbe said, oh, wow, okay, well, if Rebiosi said that, then that's that. We're going to go like Rebiosi. So, just that dialogue and that connection and the mutual respect between the rabbis was uh, admirable. Okay. Omrle Rav Nachman the Daru Avde. So Rav Nachman said to his servant Daru, Atmin li tsonen ve'aisili ma'edachim kfila aramah. So Rav Nachman said to Daru his servant, Insulate me for me um, this cold stuff. Okay, fine. Ve'aisili and bring for me ma'edachim kfila aramah water that was heated up before Shabbos by the Aramean baker, i.e. by the non-Jewish baker. Okay. Shama Rabbi Ami ve'ikpid. Now Rabbi Ami heard this dialogue, and I guess he was completely unimpressed. He did not like this at all. He was upset. Right? Rav Nachman said two things to Daru, Daru, his servant. Number one, insulate cold stuff. Number two, um, bring me water that was heated up by a non-Jew. And Rabbi Ami was, did not like that at all. I'm Rabbi Yosef, my time ikbid. Now Rabbi Yosef said to Rabbi Ami, like, what's the problem? Why, why are you so upset with what Rav Nachman did? After all, he only did, he just did like his rabbis. One of his statements was in line with his teacher, Rab. And the other of his statements was in line with, with his teacher, Shmuel. Now, this is super interesting to me because I was always confused by Rav Nachman. I couldn't really place him. I couldn't really figure out who he was a student of, where he fits in. And here you go. The Gemara is telling us. He was uh, a student of Rav and Shmuel. Rav and Shmuel, of course, being the first generation of Amoraim. doesn't really get higher than them. Uh, and Rav Nachman was a student of them. So that puts him sort of in the same generation of like Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda, which is pretty cool. Um, and I actually then looked it up uh, on, on um, the chart that Janine provided for us recently, um, which was, it's a really, really awesome chart, pretty comprehensive and shows you where everybody belongs. And sure enough, there's Rav Nachman um, as a student of Rav and Shmuel. So that is really helpful, which is cool. So basically, and I think he was also the son-in-law of the Reish Galusa, of the Exilarch. I think he was very wealthy. Also, of course, as we saw in uh, the Gemara in Brachos, which described how his wife destroyed 400 of his barrels of wine. So, uh, 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 kudos to uh, Ula. <laughs> anyways, so, so, um, so, anyways, this is Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman said two things to his servant to insulate the cold items and to um, bring over the hot water that was heated up by the non, by the Gentile baker. So, Kishmuel, so we say that, you know, so Rav Yosef said, I don't understand what the big deal with what Rav Nachman did was, right? He was saying like his teachers, Rav and Shmuel. So Kishmuel, Dam Rav Yudam Shmuel, as Rav Yudam Shmuel said earlier today, Mutalat Minasatsonin. You're allowed to insulate cold items. So what was wrong with instructing Daru, his servant, to insulate the cold items? And Kirav, and he did like Rav, the Amr of Shmuel by Rav Yitzchak Amarav, Kol Shunechol Kmoshu Chai, Ein Bo Mishum Bishulei Nachrim. Anything that is allowed to be eaten 
raw, so you don't have to be concerned about it being cooked by a non-Jew, right? The Gemara Nevoda Zara talks about um, Bishul Akum, you know, can a uh, Jew consume food that was cooked by a Gentile? So we say that there are two situations when um, um, Bishul Akum would be permitted. One is what Rob is describing over here, which is that um, if it can be eaten raw, so something like raw vegetables, things like that, even if they're cooked, um, it, it would be no problem since you can eat them raw. Uh, and the other one would be something that is fitting for the table of kings, uh, which I think are, is sort of a more subjective, uh, is kind of more open for interpretation what that means. But in any event, over here, we are saying, that, uh, so what did Rav Nachman do wrong? He, he, was, he was consuming water that was heated up before Shabbos by a non-Jew, but water could be drunk or drank, I don't know, uh, uncooked. So there should be no problem with the fact that it was uh, cooked by a Gentile. So Vusavra Adam Chashuv Shaini. Rabbi Ami got upset because he figured, look, you know, it, even though you're right, Me'ikar Adin, I guess both you can heat, you can insulate cold food and you can also consume water that was boiled by a Gentile, but it's, Adam Chashuv should not, an important person like Rav Nachman should nonetheless refrain from doing so. And Rashi says, Adam Chashuv Shani, Sharoya Oso Shumekel, Omeru Mekel Yoser. Because if somebody sees that this important person is being lenient, even though it's within the boundaries of Halacha, well, somebody seeing him is going to be even more lenient than him. And, um, then, and, and no longer find themselves within the boundary of halacha. Let's go by it, dear friends. Tanur Abanan, the rabbi is taught. Afopisha Amru, in Tomnin, Afilu Budavashenu Mosif Hevel, Mishecha Sheikha. Even, I don't know if I, I don't know if I read that right. Again, Tanur Abanan, the rabbi is taught. Afopisha Amru, even though they said, in Tomnin, Afilu Budavashenu Mosif Hevel, Mishecha Sheikha. Even though they said that you're not allowed to insulate on Shabbos with something that does not increase heat, such as like blankets and stuff. Nonetheless, you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. In Balehosif, Mosif. But if you want to add on to the insulation that you prepared properly before Shabbos, you want to, you know, add insulation on Shabbos, that would be acceptable. Ketzad. Well, what does this look like? Ketzad, well, so how does he do it? So, Abshim Magamliel Omer, it says Abshim Magamliel, Notel esasdinin, esasdinin, umaniach esaglufkarin, o notel esaglufkarin, umaniach esasdinin. What you can do is, if you want, you know, once you've already insulated it properly before Shabbos, if now on Shabbos you want to remove whatever sheets you may have put on it and put on like a coat, put on some kind of thing that would provide more insulation, or maybe it's a little bit too hot and you want it to kind of not, not, not be too hot for whatever reason, so, you might, maybe it's hot outside and you don't necessarily want it to get too hot. Maybe it'll go bad or get weird, whatever. So you want to take off the coat and replace it with this sheet, which is, you know, provide less insulation. That's fine. Both, both of these things are, are fine. Meaning as long as you insulate it properly before Shabbos, you can, you know, play around with insulation on, on, on Shabbos. And similarly, Reb Gamlil had another sort of leniency when it comes to insulation. Lo asu el oso mecham. That Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel says that, th- that when we say that you're not allowed to insulate on Shabbos, even if it's Enomos of Hevel, that is only in the same pot that you heated it up in. So meaning, if I cooked like a soup or something like that, and now on Shabbos I want to insulate it, that would not be allowed, right? Because we're concerned that maybe you might end up putting it back on the fire to get it really hot before putting it in the insulation. 
However, However, if you pour out the soup from this pot into a different pot, you would then be allowed to insulate that uh, second pot. How come? Well, because hashta akure kamakila no. The whole issue with not insulating something on Shabbos is we're concerned that you're going to come to heat it up real good before insulating it. But over here you're doing the exact opposite. You're pouring it from one pot into another pot which is going to cool it down. So if you're already doing something to cool it down and that doesn't seem to bother you, well then certainly we don't have to be concerned that you're going to put it back on the fire um, to heat it up. And therefore um, you would be allowed to insulate it because insulating isn't doing anything wrong inherently. It's not cooking, it's just preserving heat. Um, and the concern that you're going to make it hotter is not relevant over here where you're already pouring it into a new um, pot which is going to cool it down. Taman v'chisa b'davar anital b'shabes O taman b'davar she'eno nital b'shabes v'chisa b'davar anital b'shabes So if you have a pot and in the pot you have like a soup or something like that, okay? Now there's no lid on this pot, okay? You just take the pot and now you insulate it. And you insulate it, meaning you surround the pot with something that is not moksa, meaning something that you're allowed to move on Shabbos. And you also then cover it with something that you're allowed to move on Shabbos. Or you insulate it around it with something that would be moksa. However, you covered it with something which you would be allowed to move on Shabbos. Well, in that case, you know, you know, all good. Right, you could take out the pot, you could put back the pot, you could remove the lid, you could put back the lid, no problem. However, if you insulate and cover with something that is not allowed to be moved on Shabbos, or you insulated it with something that is movable on Shabbos, however, you covered it with something that is muksa. Well, no telemachzir. Well, as long in that in that case, if part of the um, pot is still exposed, right? Remember, this is a pot that doesn't have a lid on it, so the only covering of the pot is this insulation, and this insulation is something that is muksa, something that's not allowed to be moved on Shabbos. However, if part of the covering of the part of the top of the pot is exposed, well, then you can nonetheless just kind of tilt the pot, slide off whatever is insulating it, and then take out the pot. Vimlav, but it's if the pot is completely covered by uh, this insulation, well then, sorry, basta, you can't take out or put back that pot because it's all surrounded by um, muktza stuff. Rebuta Omer, we saw this already, was it yesterday maybe? Nope. Two days ago. So we saw that um, Rebuta says that this naores shall pishtan, if you are processing flax, and there's like these little bits that kind of fall off from the flax during the processing process. So you would not be allowed to insulate with these little, um, very thin um, um, flax pieces. Hareu kezevel, it is just like manure, which we said you cannot uh, insulate with. Oh gosh, yeah, that would seem rough. Anyways, um, because it's Mosif Hevel, so also these very thin Naoris Shel Pishtan you can't insulate with because it's Mosif Hevel. Manichen Mecham Agabe Mecham, Ukudera Agabe Kudera. You can put a uh, copper like water urn 
on top of another copper water urn. And you can also put a um, earthenware pot that has uh, filled with hot contents on top of another earthenware pot that's filled with hot contents, right? Also, the copper urn was also filled with hot contents, right? So you can take hot content and put it on top of other hot content. Skip the next two words. Kedera And you're allowed to put a hot earthenware vessel on top of a hot copper vessel and vice versa. You could put a hot copper vessel on top of a hot earthenware vessel. And you can take some dough that you prepared already before Shabbos and seal these containers. All of that is no problem. But in all of these cases, it's not so that you will heat them up, right? Meaning, if you have a hot urn, let's say, you would not be able to put a coal, you know, a, 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 a urn that has cold water in it on top of it so that the cold water will get hot. No, that would not be allowed. But to um, maintain the same heat, it would be allowed. So if you have a hot urn, you could put a, another hot urn on top of it so that they'll all just like, you know, try to preserve their heat as much as possible. Okay. And then this Brisa says that, and just like um, you cannot insulate hot food, you also cannot insulate cold food. And then Rebbe, as we learned earlier, said, no, you are allowed to insulate um, cold food. And that was after Rebbe Shmuel Rebiosi quoted his father Rebiosi as saying that you would be allowed to insulate cold food. And something I wanted to say earlier um, is that, you know, we see that Rebbe Shmuel Rebiosi is quoting his father Rebiosi. We also saw um, two days ago Rebbe Shmuel Rebiosi quoting his father Rebiosi, the tanner, who's, you know, that he used to say, bring over a hide. And we're actually going to see later on again that Rebbe Shmuel Rebiosi is quoting his father Rebiosi. Uh, I wonder if this is like a thing that Bishmah Yossi quotes his father. I feel like maybe it is. But we'll have to keep that in mind as we continue going through Shas together. Um, so the next time we see Rabbi Shmuel Yossi, keep an eye out to see if he is quoting his father. Let's go weiter. Ve'en mirazkin lois ha-shelek v'lois ha-barod b'shabes b'shvil she'izovu meimav avonosinu l'sochakos o l'sochakaira ve'en ochoshes. This is really cool. Ice. What do you do with ice on Shabbos? Okay, very interesting. So we say that you're not allowed to break up sheleg, which is snow, which is hail. Um, and Rashi uh, explains that it's ice. So you can't just break it up, right? So if you have like a cube of ice or something, don't just chop it up and so that it will just like melt. Because as Ra- what does Rashi say? It would be nolad. You would be making something new on Shabbos. Vidami lemalacha. And it's similar to malacha. So it's not actually a malacha, but it's similar to malacha. Sheborei amayim ha'elu. It's ke'ilu. You are creating this water. It was ice and now you're creating water, so to speak. So we don't want you to do that on Shabbos, but we say that you would be allowed to put it into your cup of, uh, you know, if you have a cup of water and you want to make it colder, so you could put in ice. That's no problem. Um... Which is very cool. And Mistama, that dummy limalacha thing is important, that it's similar to malacha. It's not actually malacha. If it's really a malacha of like creating water, I can't imagine you'd be allowed to put it into your cup of water, um, or your cup of soda, or whatever it is. I don't drink soda, but, um, whatever, I just don't. Although like once a year I do, whatever, whatever, I'm getting distracted. In any event, what were we saying before I talked about Drinking soda. Something about water and ice. 
Yeah, so anyways, it's cool. Uh, so you don't break up ice to create like water, but you could put it into your drink. Okay, cool. Hajj Allah Bamet Tomnin. We will return to you, Bamet Tomnin, and now for the next parak of Bamet Behema Yotza. I feel like a lot of these prakim have been starting with the word Bame and then Bama, right? Bame Behema Yotza, Uvama Ena Yotza. So with what is an animal allowed to go out to Rosh Hashanah with and with what is it not permitted to go out to Rosh Hashanah? So, you know, because, right, let's, so let's read that first Rashi together actually on the parak. So Bame Behema Yotza, Chule, with what does an animal go out? Lefisha Adam Mitzuval Shvisas Behem to Shabbos, because a person is commanded to, um, ensure that his animal rests on Shabbos as well. Okay, listen closely. That something that would be protecting an animal, so it would be considered a tachshit, I guess like jewelry. Okay, something that, and, and right, orcha, and it would be considered, you know, normal. And it wouldn't be considered a burden. And anything that isn't protecting it, guarding it, would be considered a burden. And that seems to be the key over here. If it's a tachshit, if it's like an uh, adornment, so then you, um, the animal, you would be allowed to allow this animal to go out to Rosh Hashanah with this adornment. But if it's considered a burden, then you would not be allowed to allow your animal to go out to Rosh Hashanah with this burden because it would be carrying and just like you're not allowed to carry Nishasarabim, your animal is not either because you are responsible to make sure that it uh, has Shabbos as well. So there we go. So the Gemara, so the Mishnah wants to know, So with what is this animal allowed to go out with and what isn't allowed to go out with, right? And also I guess what's considered protection slash an adornment, what's considered a burden. So Yotze Agamol Beifser, so a camel is allowed to go out with like some kind of rope that you would like pull it with. Vinaika Bichatam. Now a naika is like a um uh can the Gemara is gonna explain a little bit, but it's like this one hump camel that is wild and runs really fast and stuff. So a like rope is not enough for that. It's really strong and fast and wild, but there is a solution. It's called a chatam. And this chatam sounds very uncomfortable. Uh, it's basically this like um, iron ring that you like uh, put through its nose. Sometimes you see people with like rings in their nose. I forgot what those are called. But anyways, but imagine those rings on their nose had like a rope tied to it. I can't imagine that that would be so comfortable. Um, and misame, it's not because that seems to be how you... Uh, can control this wild uh, camel by sticking an iron ring through its nose and connecting that to like a rope and making sure it doesn't get out of line. And the Gemara is going to explain what these Luvdakim Bepumbia things are. And you could take out a uh, uh, horse with its like collar, I think. And any things that normally wear like collars can go out with collars. And you can pull them with collars. And if this like collar thing gets uh, like tame, so you'd be at, you wouldn't have to take it off of the animal in order to put the um, water with the paraduma ashes in it. You wouldn't have to take it off and sprinkle uh, uh, the water on this collar separately. 
rather, you know, you can sprinkle it while it's still on the animal. And also vitovlen bimkoman, right? You wouldn't have to take off this collar in order to put it in the mikvah. You can just chuck the animal in the mikvah and mimela, this item will be in the mikvah as well. Cool. So what does the Gemara have to say? My naika bachatam. What does it mean that a naika is allowed to go out to Rosh with this chatam, with this nose muzzle thing? So it means this white female wild one hump camel and can you can go out with an iron like nose ring bit puller rope painful thing. Well, I don't know if painful is the right word, maybe more like uncomfortable. what's this? Samra of Huna Khamra Luba. Okay, so it means this Lubian uh, uh, donkey, bifage de farzla with an iron bit. I don't really know what an iron bit is. Do you? Levi, shadazuze leve chosai, lemizban le chamaluba. So Levi sent some money. That's funny. I hope it wasn't the, uh, I hope it wasn't the money of the orphans, right? Wasn't that Levi? Oh, no, 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 that was Shmuel, right? With the Gemara in, uh, in, in, in Brachos on, uh, was it Yudchesim Abbez or something? Where he went to, uh, visit his father in the cemetery and then he saw Levi wasn't allowed into the, into the yeshiva. Okay, anyways, Viter. So Levi sent some money to, uh, this place called Bechozai so that they could purchase for him a Lubian, um, donkey, because I guess that those were very excellent donkeys. So Tsaru, and what did these people do? They basically took the money and sent it back. Shadrule Sare, so they sent back the money, and with the money they sent barley, Lememar to indicate to Levi, the Nigare de Chamra Sare, that what makes a camel very strong and take good steps, it, not, 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 not a camel, a donkey very uh, strong is the barley is what you feed it, right? So they said, don't waste your money on this um, Lubian donkey. And also, what was it? I think Rashi pointed out that it takes a half an, a half a year, right? It was right, right, right. That um, to purchase a Lubian donkey, you would have to travel for half a year in order to purchase it. And they said, look, it's just it's not worth it. Um, just get a donkey that you have available to you and feed it the proper food, and it will be just fine. So Rabbi Yudah said in the name of Shmuel that they would, um, you know, flip around this Yotze, this Agamaba Ifsar Venaka Bechatam thing. They would flip it around in front of Rabbi and say Shalzo Bazo Mau. Okay, what if you flipped it around, right? So we said that a camel is allowed to go out with like this rope, and a Naaka is allowed to go out with this nose muzzle thing. What if you flip it around? What if a camel goes out with this nose muzzle? And a na'aka goes out with this rope. Okay. So na'aka ba'if sarloti ba'ilach. Okay. So, okay. So certainly a wild camel going out with this rope, there's nothing to ask about. Obviously, the wild camel would not be allowed to go out with this rope because since this rope would not be sufficient to guard this animal, right? It, it's a wild uh, camel that's very difficult to control. Putting a, you know, simple rope on it, it'll just very easily get away. So it wouldn't be considered an adornment for this, um, animal. It would be considered 
a burden and it would be considered carrying and this wild camel would not be permitted to go out with just a regular rope. Okay. Kitibailach, but the, what the question is, is gamal bichatam. What about a just ordinary camel going out with this sort of heavy duty, um, like nose muzzle ring? So, my, would that be allowed? Kevin de Sagile by Ifsar Masayu, do we say, look, well, you know, sure, the heavy duty nose ring will get the job done and the camel won't run away anywhere, but it's really overkill. All you need is a regular rope. So therefore, is you know, would we consider this nose ring to be um, a burden for this camel, for this ordinary camel, and therefore the camel would not be allowed to go out with this nose ring? Or maybe we say, look, additional sort of protection would not be considered a burden. And therefore, even though, sure, technically all you need is this rope for a regular camel, but there's nothing wrong with using sort of the heavy-duty option of, uh, of the nose ring. So that's, that's what we want to know. So Amr the fun of Rabbi Shmab Rabbi Yossi, Abba. So Rabbi Shmab Rabbi Yossi said in front of Rabbi, this is what my father, Rabbi Yossi, said. I have a behemos, yotzos, ba'ifsar, there are four animals that can go out with just an ordinary rope. And here they are. Hasus, a horse, vaparid, a mule, vagamal, a camel, vachamor, and a donkey. Okay, so we're saying, so one of those examples was a camel. We're saying that a regular camel goes out with a regular rope. So the mute mai. So what's this, you know, when, when Rabiosi says that these four animals go out with a rope, what, what's he trying to say? What, 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 what can we imply from there? So lalem, lavlem ute gamal bechatam. So is it not to exclude a camel from this nose ring? Meaning, by saying that a camel goes out with a rope, is that not to imply that specifically with a rope, the camel goes out, however not with this nose ring, because it would be overkill and a masoi. Lo, that's not the implication to make. No, what it's saying is that a camel goes out with a rope to the exclusion of a na'aka that cannot, this wild camel that cannot go out with a mere rope because it won't do anything, won't be enough to, you know, guard it, and therefore it's simply a burden. However, I could still argue that a regular camel would be allowed to go out with this nose ring because extra protection is is, is fine. It's not considered a masoi. Bimasnisatana, and then as an aside, we say that we learn in Abraisa, Luvdakim Vigamal Yotzim Bevsar, that um, also these um these these Lubian um Donkeys also, as well as a camel, go out with these regular ropes. Okay? Now the Gemara says, Kitanoi, let's say that this question that we're asking of can a regular camel go out on Shabbos with this nose ring, and let's say it's actually Machlokas Tanoi. Right? This question of is extra protection considered a Masoy on Shabbos, which would make it usher to go out to Rosh Hashanah or not? What's this, Brysa? In Chayayotza Besoger, a Chaya, a wild animal, is not allowed to go out on Shabbos with a collar. With a collar. Wait, what does Rashi say? Besoger? So Rashi says Besoger, three lines of the bottom of Rashi, Kolar Shel Chevel. So it's some kind of like rope, I guess also like a rope. Um, some kind of rope that you would be able to uh, control it with, like a leash, essentially. Probably a leash. So a, a so the Tanakhama says that a chaya, a wild animal, does not go out with a leash on Shabbos. Hanani Omer Yotza Besoger Uvchodavar Mishtamer, and Hanani says no, it's no problem. 
um, Chaya can go out with this leash on Shabbos and with anything that, you know, would serve as a protection. Now, what is this Chaya that we're talking about? If we're going to say it's talking about a large wild beast, and as Rashi says, like a bear, well, Misagila Soger, I don't think that a leash is going to work for a bear. Um, so that's not what we're talking about. And if we're talking about like a small animal, like a rat or something, well then, if for whatever reason you wanted to take out your rat on Shabbos, um, certainly this uh, rope would work. So, the nafkamina is for something like a cat, right? A cat is actually easier to control, even though it's bigger than like a rat. It's easier to control if for whatever reason you'd want to put out a, your, um, uh, take out your cat on a leash. I feel like cats don't really do so good on leashes, but, um, if you want to take out your cat on a leash, so that would be what we are talking about. So here we go. So, Tanakama Savar came the Sagila be Misna Baama Masoihu. So Tanakama says that if you want to take out your cat with a leash on Shabbos, it would be, uh, not allowed. It's because, look, a cat doesn't actually need a rope. Um, all he needs is like an even thinner kind of string or whatever. So therefore the rope would be uh, considered uh, extra protection and that would be considered a burden. Whereas Vachanania Savar, Konatiusa Yaserta, Loaminan Masoyu, whereas Hanania says, uh, look, I, under- I agree that you can use a lighter weight rope, but anything that's extra protection, um, we do not consider to be a burden. So there you have it. It's Machlokas Tanaim about is extra protection considered a Masoy on Shabbos or not? Amr Abhuna Barchia, Amr Shmuel, Alacha Kichananya, and Rapuna Barchia says in the name of Shmuel that the Alacha is like Chananya, that if it's extra protection, um, it would not be considered a Masoy and it would be allowed. So I guess in the case of our wild camel going out with this no no sorry in the case of a regular camel going out with this heavy duty nose ring uh, it's just extra protection and it would be fine Levi braider of Hunabarchia so Levi the son of Rav Hunabarchia who just said that Allah is like Hananya Virabba bar Rav Huna and Rabba the son of Rav Huna they were one time traveling together. And what happened? The donkey of Levi was in front, went in front of the donkey of Rabbah And interestingly enough, um, Rabbah Barafuna got offended, which is extremely interesting. Says Rashi, the last Rashi on the page. <laughs> Because Rabbi Barafuna was greater, and he thought that Levi did it on purpose. Levi on purpose, he 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 put his he went in front of him, and he was feeling very sad. Okay, so Amr Emale Milsa Kiechi the Itosev Daite. So Levi said, "Okay, I better cheer up Rabbi Barafuna so that I can show him that I no, you are greater than me. I it was it was an accident." Um, I didn't intend to walk in front of you. So, so what did Levi by Rafuna Barchia say to Rabbi by Rafuna? So, Amale, Chamer Shasak of Raim Kigon Zeh, Maulatis Bepumbia Bishabis. A, a donkey. Oh, so they were riding donkeys. I don't know if I said camel, but they were riding donkeys. So then, um, so Levi by Rafuna Barchia, in order to cheer up Rabbi by Rafuna, I said, a donkey who is so terrible and is has bad ways like this donkey that I'm riding, who is so terrible that
that it decided to go in front of your donkey even though it had no reason to do so. So can this donkey go out with a prumbia on Shabbos? Would it be, I guess, like a bit on Shabbos? Would it be considered too much protection or not? And would it be considered a burden or not? So Amalei Hachi Amar Avuch, to which Rabbi Bar Ravuna said to Levi Bar Ravuna Bar Chia, well, your father said, Mishmei Shmuel Alacha Kechananya, in the name of Shmuel, that Alacha is like Hananya, in which case it would be permitted um, to go out because extra protection is okay. And um, then they made up and they were friends, all good, nobody's insulted. All right, all right, all right. Very, very nice. And that, my friends, is Daf Nun Aleph of Mesech Shabbos. Let's do a quick, quick recap. So the Daf began with insulating cold items. So Rav Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel that you are permitted to insulate cold items. Rav Yosef says, but didn't, don't we already know that from our Mishnah? To which Abaye answered, well, if we only had our Mishnah, all I would know is that things that are norm, not normally uh, insulated may be insulated when they're cold. But maybe something like a pot of you know, cooked food that is cold, uh, I wouldn't be able to insulate it since I normally insulate this thing when it's hot. So we said that is what Rav, Hun, what Rav Yudah is teaching us in the name of Shmuel, that um, you know, anything that's cold can be insulated on Shabbos. We talked a little bit, uh, it came up sort of in passing, the idea of Bishulei Nachrim. Uh, can Jews eat food that was cooked by uh, non-Jewish people? To which we mentioned the opinion of Rav, which is that if, well, if it's something that um, can be eaten raw, well, then it's no problem if you eat it cooked by a non-Jew, since you could eat it raw anyways. And we said that adding insulation is permitted, right, on Shabbos. So in order to insulate milchatrila, you would have to do that before Shabbos. But once it's insulated, you can add to it or remove from it, switch it on Shabbos. We mentioned that even though you um, would not be allowed to insulate a pot on Shabbos, uh, however, Rabbi Shem ben says that if you pour the contents of one pot into another pot, um, then you would be able to insulate that second pot, since the whole point of not insulating on Shabbos is we're nervous that you're going to heat up the pot first. Well, by pouring it from one pot into another pot, which will inherently cool it down, clearly we don't have to be concerned that you are going to put it on the fire to heat it up. And we talked about insulating with muktza. We said as long as you can basically get out the pot without having to move the, um, well, if it's, if you're insulating with non-muktza, then clearly it's not a problem. But even if you're insulating with muktza, if some of the top of the pot is, um, exposed, well, then you can just kind of slide off the, uh, muktza and that would be okay. You're allowed to stack hot pots on each other because it's just going to preserve the heat. Um, okay. Let's see. Sorry, yeah, the, this dab didn't really have like juice. I think I mentioned at the beginning, it didn't have like big juicy machlokas. It's just like a lot of kind of like, you know, different things. We talked about ice, which is very interesting. Um, that you wouldn't be allowed to kind of just break up ice and let it melt because it's, it's like you're creating the water, but you would be allowed to put it inside of, of like a drink or something. Then we began a new parak talking about, you know, what kind of things can animals go out with on Chavez and sort of the big machlokas there and the big Sugi there was, um, can you take out an animal on Shabbos that has sort of extra protection, right? More protection than, than, than it needs. Would that be considered a burden or not? Tanakama says, yes, it would be considered a burden, whereas Rav, uh, whereas Hananya said, 
uh, it, it would be fine. Uh, all right, friends. Well, that was Daphne and Olive. Hope you enjoyed, and I hope I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day or night. Bye.